This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur. In Yasmin Ango's contemporary debut thriller, Her Name is Night, an elite assassin heroine is on a mission to topple a human trafficking ring and avenge her family. Stolen from her Ghanaian village as a child, Nina Knight has plenty of motives to kill. Now an elite assassin for a powerful business syndicate called The Tribe, she's getting plenty of chances. But while on assignment in Miami, Nina ends up saving a life, not taking one. She emerges from the experience a changed woman, finally hopeful for a life beyond rage and revenge. Tasked with killing a man she's come to respect, Nina struggles to reconcile her loyalty to the tribe with her new purpose. Meanwhile, she learns a new tribal council member is the same man who raised her village, murdered her family, and sold her into captivity. Nina can't resist the temptation of vengeance, and she doesn't want to. But before she can claim her life, she must leverage everything she was and everything she is to take him down and end the cycle of bloodshed for good. Yasmin and I discuss how and when the premise came to her, how family is embedded deeply in the story, both in its plot and as an inspiration for the concept, and why women as assassin protagonists are finally enjoying acceptance from publishing editors and from readers. I so loved this book. I have to tell you, ah, I mean, where to start? First of all, it broke my heart in so many places. Yay. Oh my gosh, thank you. Um, I'm just going to jump right in. I want to okay. ask you, how did you come up with the idea for Nina, who goes by the assassin alias of Echo, but is also the former Nene, Ama Sin, mm-hmm. a Ghanaian princess from the village and tribe of Ninkakui. Yes, yes. I love the way you said that, Ninkakui, yes. And um, how did I come up with her? Um, gosh, that is, you know, when everyone asks me that, like, I don't want to sound cliche, but like, she just, it just kind of, she just kind of came. Like, she had always kind of been in the back burner. Um, I was ready to write a story about the, the kind of books that I love to read and the kind of movies that I love to see. I love action and horror. And I mean, I love uh, women's fiction too, but I love all of those things. And I was like, I want to write something that has all of those things where I'm writing about a female, but she's in these spaces that are so very different than what we normally see. And not only that, she's from a place that we never see in these spaces, um, in that role. And so, so that's really how it came. She, at first, she was going to be like the head of a, a criminal organization. She was always going to be that. But then I decided like that didn't even feel like who she was. I felt like, no, she's got a little bit more than that. She's not a criminal in that sense. She's someone who is put there you know, because of chance, because of how life has been, you know, thrown at her. And so that's where she was born. And then everything else, you know, I wanted to add a lot of cultural aspects. I wanted to highlight my heritage and my dad, uh, because he had passed um, some a couple of years before that. And so I was dealing with that grief. And so that's, I think, really what changed her for me is his his passing. And I wanted her to celebrate him in where she's from, in, in the language that she spoke, but I also wanted to have that action part too. So <laughs> it well, was an amalgamation of a whole lot of things. <laughs> um, I can relate to that. My dad died when I was 19 years old. And, um, yeah. you know, you always have this kind of guilt that, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should have been at it. It was an instant thing. It was a heart attack. So I can fully understand, you know, that. Um, yes. I'm glad that you give her such incredible agency as a human being, as a woman, as someone who was able to pick herself up by her bootstraps and really pull herself into a position of power. And the power is all internal, like she made it herself. Granted, you know, in her latest iteration, she has a good team around her and a great family. And one thing that I got out of what what you wrote, and I wanna just quote this, these three parts of Nina, always at war with each other, always at war with one another for survival. She wasn't sure which she wanted to be, the victor, Nina, or Echo, or Nene, or Nina. When the war finally came to an end, she didn't know who she would be. Mm-hmm. Explain the three parts of her, um, because that is, to me, we all have so many sides to ourselves, but you've really done a wonderful job in doing a clear-cut version of this person and how she has to channel each of these in separate times of her life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and she doesn't know at this point what she is or, or what even she wants to be. And that is the struggle that that she has throughout this whole book um, and the struggle that even, you know, continues into the next because it's just so hard to, you know, I think you are what you are when you need to be it. Does that make any sense? So like when she needs to be, you know, when when she's on those missions, on those dispatches and she needs to to be focused and she needs to cut out all emotion and and just be like that business lady, then she's echo and she's got to get this job done and she's just there, you know, she compartmentalizes, right? Um, and then when she's anemia, that is her most vulnerable, innocent, you know, it's before any of this stuff happens. And that's just the heart of her that has really been crushed. And Nina is the result of Anime's crushing, right? It's Anime reinventing herself in a way that I'm not going to be hurt anymore. I'm going to get my power back. And I've, you know, done this survival. And so I'm this person now because a part of me, Anine, that innocent, loving person had been cut out of her. So Nina is looking for that part of her again. And that's what, you know, she's trying to search and figure out when she's with the knights. Um, and that's why when she, uh, you know, is with them, you know, she's still very hesitant. She's not sure. And she's, she's suffered loss. She's afraid loss will come again. And so she's got to trust that. And so learning to love and trust and, and feel comfortable with that again, with the knights and with the Baxters and even with her best friend, Kegel, you know, all of these things are coming back at her and it's making her realize, you know, I'm human. So Nina is a very, maybe non-human. And that's, and I even tried to put that in the way that she speaks, right? Because Nina is very by the book, you know, and she doesn't joke, you know, she's very straightforward, even in, in social situations. And so I really tried to show how this girl who was so vibrant and full of life has turned into this person who is just, I've got to be this way to protect myself and to protect the people around me. Right. Um, you know, as Aninye, he says, the history of my people go back hundreds of years to when Ashanti and Fanti people warred among themselves for dominance and to trade with the Europeans 
who sought out African goods, goods being slaves. Mm -hmm. How difficult was it to write about the topic of slavery, which continues even today, and as a Nene becoming a, a trafficked slave herself goes through that process? I could imagine you crying the whole way through. Yeah, so it's very difficult, right? Because that's what made me want to talk about that topic to begin with. I had gone for my for my nine to five. I had gone to um, a session, um, and in one of the sessions, they had uh, survivors of um, human trafficking, of sex trafficking, and their stories were so profound. It really touched me, and I was like, "Look at how these women, these people, have survived and have." found a new life for themselves. And in writing that part, I wanted to talk about the irony of, you know, she's from this culture that fought that way back then, right? And that was hundreds of years ago. And then today it's still happening, just like you said. And she couldn't wrap her mind around that this thing that I have learned about that happened to, you know, my, my people, my ancestors is something that is literally happening to me right now. And it's just like mind blowing because that's what I thought when I was listening to their stories. I was like, I can't believe that this is still going on in all sorts of ways, you know? Um, and that was my way of kind of writing through my confusion about how is this thing still going on today after all we've learned about how it was back then, all, all that it's done, how is it still happening? History, you know, just repeats itself unless people are willing to make that change. And I'm just like, how does it still happen? And so that's why I really wanted to hone in on like the irony of the whole thing. Um, I think it's an international disgrace, quite frankly, that um, and I know that there are people all over the world, you know, advocating against it, doing what they can in law enforcement to stop it. But at the same time, it's still happening and it's happening at the source. It's also happening you know, people are accepting it on the other end and it should never be acceptable. And when you, know, you bring it in in so many different ways, mm -hmm. even um, even in uh, Nina's life now where she sees it like in a massage parlor or whatever, it's sort of like, this should not be happening. This should not be happening Absolutely. now. Absolutely, yep. Mm -hmm. The book interchanges uh, Nina's backstory. You know, at 14 years old, you have a real name, uh, Aninye, and then, you know, what happens to her in real time, she's now 31. And in your chapters, I love the way that you intersperse the before chapters with the now chapters. And, and, you know, in the before chapters, it's first person, present tense. But as Nina, we, we hear her in third person, past tense. Mm -hmm. um, since you're also speaking to other authors who like to talk process, explain why you decided to move back and forth in time and in persons and in tenses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, so that was very intentional. Um, and it was because, so I'm a person when I'm reading or any kind of story, I like to know the why. And that gets me in trouble a lot with like my husband. Cause I'm always like, why, why, why? And he's like, sometimes you just don't have to know, but I like to know why things are the way that they are. And, and so I know that in my writing, whoever reads it is going to know why things are the way that they are, because I like a full picture so that I can fully understand why somebody is the way they are, why they're doing these things and all of that. And so with, with Nina, I felt like the reader needed to know why she was the way she is right now. 
Like everybody has a backstory. And the only way that they could learn why she is and um, really understand what she's like right now and how she came to be this person, right? And even how she came to be this beside herself, like not really a full person um, emotionally. You had to live through her experiences as she was living through her experiences when she was living through. So she's not telling you, this is what happened to me. She's telling you, this is what is happening to me right now. And you are in my body living it with me. Because I think that's the only way that you could really understand and grasp, you know, the complexity and and the gravity of her situation. Um, And then when she is, you know, in the after chapters, I wanted the reader to still know her, right? But then to kind of see her as she saw herself as third person, you know, past tense. She you, Not in the now. You can't be in her body right now because she's not really in her body right now because she's still trying to figure out who she is and who she wants to be and what she can actually dream for and hope and accomplish um, that won't be taken away from her. She's very much still shell-shocked. You know, she's got PTSD, which she wouldn't say, but like she's got all of that. And so until she comes to terms with that and allows herself to really completely feel, then the reader can't be all in there either. Right, right. Yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying about her. And also the way you kind of intersperse those chapters. I don't know if you wrote them. Did you write them interspersed or did you write them sort of like in a chronological fashion and then interspersed? I wrote in a chronological fashion, yeah, because it's two different books for me. That's how it felt like. And I tried at first to write it interspersed and I was like, I can't do it because you either have to be in one or the other you know, when you're writing it, because I go so deep, uh, especially with Anemia. So I said, I have to write Anemia story full out. And so I did it, just wrote it. And that went really, really quickly because it just really poured out of me. And then when I wrote Nina's parts, then I was able to see where I can place Anemia's part up until, you know, the time when they can join. Right. I could see how the Anemia part would kind of like, it's so intense that it would just come out of you. I don't mm-hmm. know if you wrote that first or if you wrote that after Nina's part. I wrote that first. <laughs> yes, yes. You could. You feel the pain. You feel mm-hmm. her gut instincts throughout it all. You know, how she responds, seeing her family, you know, get decimated. I mean, you see it all. And I can imagine you wanted to get that out because then it fuels the anger for when mm-hmm. she becomes Nina. Then we're all getting our our revenge, our aven- yes. avenging. <laughs> yes, I wanted every, we, need, we are all on this ride together. We're on this journey. And I said, y'all are going to be on this journey with me. I went through this struggle. You're going to go through this struggle. And then, you know, luckily you, you get to get like, you know, the high and low. So you get a little bit and then you get like the up and the down and all that. But, you know, I, I definitely wanted to do it that way so that everyone could really see and like pull behind because, you know, this is an unreliable character. This is a character who kills people by duty. She doesn't even care if they're good or bad or whatever. She's killing them because that's her job. And, you know, how do you get behind someone like that? Because you got to understand that person and why they became that way. And then maybe you can get behind, you know, and that's also something that Nina deals with, right? As she meets the Bactors and everything, she's is what I'm doing right? You know, like, what is the justification? Well, you know, what is this, these shades of gray, this black and white, which is what she sees. So there are a lot of things that she gets kind of berated with that she has to figure out. Right. And um, everything about her is, especially as Nina, she's all zipped up. She's all together. You know, even her fight scenes. Um, 
the climax scenes, there were two of them, um, were pretty intense for different reasons. Um, I don't want to give away the big reveal, but let's just say that it had to do with, you know, betrayal and forgiveness. Um, mm -hmm. The second was driven by vengeance, which is grittier, it's dirtier, you know, it has the ultimate payback. How did you think through these scenes? And how did you choose the moves that you chose? <laughs> did a lot of research and asked a lot of questions. I watched a lot of movies just to, to help me figure out how I wanted to describe these scenes. Um, because like I said, I, I love, you know, action and stuff. And I wanted the reader to see what I was seeing. So I try to write very visually and everything that I'm seeing in my head, I'm like, I got to write it exactly like that. And so I see a move on like a show and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, I might, you know, record it and just try to figure out how would you write something like that? And I actually will stand up and I'll try to act it out myself. I'm no actor and it's very embarrassing. And people around the house will walk by and be like, what are you doing? Because I'll be like in a karate chop or something. But like, that's how I'm able to process how are these moves. And so I'm writing the scene. And when I finish writing the scene, I'm reading through that scene again. And I'm trying to act and make sure that it makes sense and make sure that, you know, that's something that you know, Nina would do. And I want it also to be very entertaining to the reader and very satisfying in, you know, whatever it is that she's doing. And, and I also wanted her to be, you know, badass and everything. So, right, right. Um, I love when Court told Nina the story about he and his wife and how they named Georgia. Both my parents are from Puerto Rico. But before I was born, my father got transferred to Atlanta <laughs> Mm -hmm. so, so I was born and raised in Atlanta. Oh, cool. so, so the story was particularly touching to me. Um, how did you choose that as an aside for, for court? You know, I don't know. I was like, I really like the name Georgia. I want him to call her Peach. And I need there to be a reason why he like it. I like things that connect, you know, and I'm not someone who grew up on nicknames we really don't have that um in our Ghanaian culture at least not in my house we didn't you know and so I just thought here's the single dad and this daughter is all he has left of you know his former wife and it was such a special thing between you know he and his wife and where they went and and things like that and so I was just like and I love Georgia too because I'm only you know three hours away and I love Atlanta and um, and I was just like, I think it would be really cool and sweet if this single dad had this daughter named Georgia, he called her Peach. And it was just that thing between the two of them. So I thought that was really sweet. And what I tried and I hope that people get is this book is also like a it's a love letter to my dad in a sense. It's a book that's heavily about dads, right? Every male that you see except for the bad guys is a good dad and shows traits of all the, the men who have stepped in father roles for me when my dad passed of my dad. And so I see all of these things and I'm like, I had a really great dad and I want to showcase this in this story about all these wonderful dads who uplift their daughters and loves them and shows them that, you know what, you could be whatever you want to be, even an assassin, <laughs> you know? Oh. Well, um, I also love the relationship that Nina creates with Georgia. I mean, it's almost, it is a mother-daughter relationship and it's almost like Nene lost her mother at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And then to 
have this surrogate relationship with Georgia is, I, I thought it was beautiful how Georgia came into her life. Scary, but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and just who she is as a person, you could see that she has all the grit that, you know, that Nina sees in her. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of stories that are going to come out of the, their relationship, you know, as it intertwines. And I'm, I'm so glad that that was sort of the impetus of Nina, you know, the crack in her heart, the thing that needs to sprout again, that, mm -hmm. you know, Georgia is sort of the impetus for that. And I, I kind of mm -hmm. love that. Thank you. <laughs> the, um, the overarching theme of this incredible book is love and death and pain and vengeance, but it's all about family, the family you're born into, mm -hmm. the family that, that you create, if not by blood, but that whom you align yourself with. Um, you know, when you lose everything, you too sometimes must kill to survive and, and you have to rescue as well. Because of the kindness, Nina ends up in a position to avenge all the wrongs that were done to her. How did you come up with the concept for the Knights and also her allegiance to them? Right. That's a, wow, that's a good one. What I wanted um, was I dragged Anemia, you know, through the, the pits of hell and I, I needed to give her a reprieve and I wanted her to kind of see the light, you know, a little bit. And that was in the nights. Um, so much had been taken away from her. And so I felt like it's time to give a little back. And this is how she's going to like get her power through these people who, you know, they do ruthless things. They are, uh, you know, this business conglomerate, but they're also a family, a very loving and fierce, loyal family. Um, noble's actual goal of how the whole tribe and everything should be. It's steeped in culture. It's wanting to bring up his African people. Um, and that's what his ultimate goal is. And he's going to do it, you know, by any means necessary. And Nina can understand that because she wanted to survive by any means necessary. And she did, you know, and so she understands that. And he understands her. So they are very much two people who have kind of you know gone through a whole lot he and her and um they understand why they have to do the things that they do and they don't judge each other for the hard decisions that they have had to make and so when Nina um comes into this family that doesn't judge her because they have all had to do well not so much um Aline but um you know Delphine and Noble the choices that they have to make, they understand. And so that's why she felt like a connection with them. And that's why Delphine saw a connection, like something about her, like, wow, she, this girl, you know, she's alone, but wow, she, there's something about her. You know what I mean? And so that's why there was that connection. You know what people think about immigrants, okay? And and what they think about cultures that are not theirs and, and how they might look down on them and think they're second class or third world, right? And stuff like that. And, and so it was very important to me when I'm writing this story, it's gonna be very cultural because I want people who are not from Ghana, who are not from Africa to see these people in a different place, to see these people above them, just like them with loads of money, with a whole lot of power, 
with all this stuff behind them. People today still think that, you know, all people in Africa live in huts and they don't have running water and stuff like that. Well, that's just not the case, people. But also, while these cultural people are very advanced and modern, just like everyone else, they still have the ultimate respect for their culture, which is why they've named themselves the tribe, which is why they have a high council of elders like they would have in their villages. So they very much keep in step with their culture and modern, and they marry the two. Because the United States is such a big country and doesn't really encourage it, you don't travel outside of the United States unless, you know, unless you're really like, hey, I want to see these places. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that it's important that people get out from their bubbles and, and see other people's places. Um, you know, I know that the UK, because it, it's a commonwealth and it has Australia and Canada, they encourage travel in the quote unquote gap year, which is mm-hmm. when you, you know, between high school and college. I I know. Wouldn't it be great to just have a break and just say, let's see what the world is like for a year and then come back and decide what we really want to do? Because otherwise you're kind of like you're still in the same bubble. You're still in the, hey, I just got out of high school and I I want a party bubble. You're not in the, you're not in the, hey, I'm a human, I'm a human being. I'm I'm an adult now. Let me see what the world is like bubble. I'd rather that be the big over encompassing bubble. And I really have to appreciate people who have done that, who've taken time off and said, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to China. I want to go to Thailand. I want to go to Vietnam. I want to go, I want to go to South America. I I just want to, I want to see what the rest of the world is like, because you learn so much by, by being and living with other people. And, you know, I, I feel that if we encourage that as a society, we would come back with so much more knowledge on how the world could work together and not just, you know, Hey, it's work, you know, it's, you know, then you have a purpose in life. And, and so yes. I, I see that in this story kind of is going to open eyes and that's going to be a wonderful um, thing that you gave the world. You've given them an empowered black woman. Hello. I mean, there, the more that we see of that, the less there's going to be shock when it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we have to, to strive for. And I want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about what you hope that the overarching goal of this book will be on readers. Wow. So what I want is, first of all, is what you said, that it is a Black woman, but not only is she a Black woman, but she's an immigrant. Um, because that is what I I grew up, even though I'm first generation here, but I lived with my mom, you know, who was from and who struggled because, you know, people acted like they didn't understand her, you know, when she was speaking English, you know, and I saw that hurt. And so I want first and foremost for people to see and be comfortable, not only comfortable, but like it's second nature to see people who don't look like them, who don't live like them in these same spaces as them doing these same things like, you know, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne or Jack Reacher and all of that, you know, all these people are doing the same thing. And it's just, oh, that's just like second nature. Okay. And I want people to be able to to read this and not even only think, oh, this is, you know, a black immigrant woman. They can see themselves in that, right? Because that's something when I was querying 
um, it initially, and not even this book, but like other books, the big thing that I would always come up with is from, from agents voice, you know, I don't understand the voice. And my question is like, what do you mean by that? Because that would be the only thing and there's no real specific thing to fix. Right. So are you saying you don't understand the voice because you know, this is, you know, a person of color and you are not, and therefore you don't think that you can put yourself in that lane. So that's what I want is for people to be able to read this and to read all these wonderful books from people of color and from all other different, um, you know, groups, marginalized groups, and not even think of the other. It's right. just, I'm in this book and I totally understand it. And I don't even, you know, really pay that much attention. I know that there's an other, but that's not the thing that I'm not reading it because it's an other, you know what I mean? Yes. And I'll take that and take it one step further. It could also mm-hmm. be because she is a woman mm-hmm. because, um, you know, when I first started writing Housewife Assassin's Handbook, which was 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it, it went all the way to an auction. Mm-hmm. And then people started dropping out because as they were going into committee, they were saying, we could never see a woman who is a mom be an assassin too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like, so, you know, obviously I, I, I just went indie with it and, you know, 20 books later, it's still like getting rave reviews, mm-hmm. you know, readers love it. And I was really honored and pleased when Jane Smiley said she taught it to a class, <laughs> but it, it was on, it was on humor, but it was right. silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the mind has to be open to accept the fact that Yes, a woman could be an assassin. Yes, Very much a, so. wo- a woman could could be black an assassin, Chinese an assassin. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, it, it's true in the real world. So what the heck, right? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Uh, you know, you know, when you talk- <laughs> and I would read the hell out of your book because that is the kind of book, like, I would have loved that. It had, you know, like, and so it makes me mad on all these books that, you know, were out and I didn't like know because- those are the books because I was forced to read, you know, books that were written, you know, by white guys, no offense to them, but about white guys. And so I didn't see myself and that's what I had to glom onto. And so now when, when we see, you know, movies or whatever, in which the woman is the assassin and she looks, you know, whatever, and she's doing all this and, and you're just like, wow. And I just eat it up. Cause I'm just like, wow. Like, I just love that. So you've taken that one step further because this is, um, you know, Nina truly is sort of a, I wouldn't say Jason Bourne because she's not running away from any entity. She's running toward everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to me, that makes her a um, a fuller picture. She doesn't have to hide and seek. Instead, she goes for it. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. the one. She's, she's not the prey. She's the huntress. Mm-hmm. And, and she decided she's not going to be the prey anymore. Right. She's not going to be the prey anymore. Yep. I love that. I like that. You're, she's not the prey. She's the huntress. I better write that down. That was good. <laughs> yes, um, yes. So, so what's next for Nina? What's next? So I think what's next is, and I just turned in um, book two and, you know, yes. I'll be honest, it was, I, it's overwritten. There's a, I went over the word count and it's, it's like a hot mess. So we're going to get it together. Uh, you know what? That's okay. Because that's, I'd rather have more to compact down than less and stretch it out. And, I, and yeah, and she's <laughs> such a full character. I can imagine her going off in 20 different directions, but it also gives you a lot to hold on to for book three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, and seven. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got, like you said, a whole world of people around her, right? And like the thing with, like with Georgia, like what will happen with Georgia, you know, because, you know, Georgia, she's also trying to decide, you know, hey, what you do is pretty cool, even though her dad is like, wait a minute, you know, her dad is a DA. And so it's very opposite. And then, you know, um, Nina's dynamics with her family, the tribe, I think, is going to be very up close. So we didn't get like in depth into the tribe in in, um, one because I wanted everyone to get to know Nina and what makes her tick. And so in the second one, I think it's gonna expand a little bit more and talk about like the tribe and how it works, you know, because there were, like you said, there was still like an open, like there's still something not quite right. And so now that has to be addressed. Like there's still that thing that got those other people like where they were. And so we need to find that out. Um, so it's taking a deeper dive into her world. And I think that'll be interesting because, you know, we get to go to Ghana and and really see her world. And she's actually also going back, you know, after all those years and really being in the space that she hasn't been in, in like over 16 years. And, you know, all these people are around her. And so she can't not deal with people, you know, relationship and the kid and her sister and her parents and, and her best friend. Like, so she's got all these people and now she's got a, like, she's got a human, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love the way you talk about her because you make her real to the reader and you you bring us inside her head and Going inside her head means we're inside your head too. And that is quite, <laughs> that's quite a head. But yeah. I, love, I, I, I love being there. And I so, so look forward to book two. Does it have a title yet? Um, oh gosh, what did they, I think it's They Come for Night. Because now it's a more, yeah, I think that's what we decided on. Don't hold me to that because there were a couple. And so I don't know. Um, But I think because I said it's a more global thing. So like they come for night and it doesn't necessarily mean just her. Like there's a bunch of, you know, a few of them. So yeah, it's funny that you said that you all are like in my head now. Because I I say this is like group therapy and I'm the only one talking and sharing. Like y'all know everything about what's in Yasmin's head. She knows nothing about you. I don't know if I like it. So. <laughs> but we love her and by definition that means I think we love you too so, <laughs> so thank you hey thank we're you. your tribe we're your tribe yes. now thank you uh, yes yes get that tribe yes for real Her Name is Night by Yasmin Ango is available now everywhere in bookstores this is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur